biggest games. The biggest events. The crowd is on their feet. The biggest stories. This is what you signed up for, Seth. I thought it was just in the game. Welcome to the ESPN Esports Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Esports Podcast. It's Rachel here in the studio today. Today we're going to be wrapping up the NALCS Spring Split with Emily and previewing South by Southwest with my podcast co-host Jacob Wolf, who's on site in Austin today. He'll be joining us in the second half, so stay tuned for that. Emily's with us on the phone right now, though. So, Emily, how are you? I'm sad. My team lost last night. It was expected, but uh, that doesn't mean I'm not sad about it. And who's your team? <laughs> Uh, KT Rolster. Oh, I'm so sorry. They lost the King Zone, right? Yeah. It's not like there's not a lot of shame losing to King Zone, I guess. Like, it was expected. They got stomped by them the first time they met, too. So, it's, uh, doesn't mean I'm not sad, though. I am very vocal, I guess, about being a KT fan, which is probably why I'm, like, harsher on them than a lot of people would be, I guess. Right, I was about to say, like, you probably have been suffering since the KT Bullets. 2013, yep. All right, well, let's dive into it. We're heading into the final week of the NALCS. Week 9, playoffs are looming, and the final playoff spots are filling. And I wanted to get your overall thoughts on how the league played out this split. I mean, with franchising... New rosters and new lineups, shakeups in the off season, etc. Like a lot has changed. So let's start off with what team really impressed you this split or surprised you? Um, I guess the team. So I think the two teams that everyone are looking at for like the the surprises that they did so well are both a hundred thieves and clutch. I actually thought clutch would do well. Um in terms of the rest of the hybrid rosters that people put together because they had the NV core um, and then added a really like a mid laner with really strong mid priority. And then solo who is like, I, I wouldn't say he's the best top laner in the league, but he's, he's not bad. He's solid. You know, he's not going to like lose on the game or anything. Um, And I thought that was a good, like, roster building approach because they had a really solid core. They got one piece that's really going to help them be able to facilitate that um, in Fevavin. And so I was expecting them to rise above the hybrid rosters, but I wasn't expecting 100 Thieves to do as well as they did. Um, I think a lot of that was just because uh, a few of their players previously had been very vocal uh, about their own motivation issues. And also whenever you have a team with a lot of veteran voices, um, not that they won't get along, but they, there's just, everyone has a lot of experience in playing the game. So comms are a lot different than say like bringing a new team together. Right. Um, And that's something that actually the players on hundred thieves themselves have also talked about. Uh, so I think they actually have a really interesting dynamic. They're a very chill team whenever I talk to them. Um, so I think that veteran leadership uh, kind of aspect where everyone just has a lot of experience um, really kind of propelled them up the standings. And I was, I guess, a little bit shakier on them than most going into the split. So I think they're a very pleasant surprise. 
Nice. Well, speaking of shaky predictions, what were some predictions that you got right and what were some that you got wrong this split? Um, I thought, so I did definitely thought that TSM and CLG would both do better than they did. Um, TSM, I guess you can say it's not as big of a surprise because they did change a lot of pieces to their roster. So, um, you know, you can you can go back and say, like, I can see how this happens. But CLG, uh, I mean, they changed the one really, really uh, big piece in losing Aphromoo. Um, and that definitely changed the team a lot more than I thought it would. Like I thought this team would come together a little bit more quickly. Um, And now they basically, I believe they have to win out and then they have to rely on other teams losing as well to make playoffs. So they're like, they're gearing up for like a miracle run to squeak in at like six. But um, it's, it's definitely not, where they would want to be and it's not where I expected them to be. I guess I expected them to kind of shift up a bit. And then TSM I thought would do a lot better. I thought they'd be like towards the top of the standings, but then again, like I said, it took, it took them a little bit longer to come together. All right. Well, I'm going to give you a chance to brag a little. What were some predictions that you got right for the split? Um, I'm not sure if I got this right. Uh, so I'm actually really bad about making preseason predictions in general. I'm not even sure if I voiced my opinions about the teams I just talked about. But uh, <laughs> I would say C9. I thought when people said they lost the off season, um, I was a bit confused because I still thought that team was going to do quite well. Um, so I'm not surprised to see them at the top of the standings, even though, like, They definitely do have uh, things that they need to work on if they're going to make a run at the title. But I'm definitely not surprised to see them there. I wasn't surprised to see them do well. Um, I thought the the loss, the off-season meme was definitely overblown a bit uh, with that team going into this split. So I would say maybe, maybe C9 is the team that I was like, I guess, a bit higher on than some of my compatriots and that turned out to be pretty accurate right i i thought it was really funny because in the off season you either fell into one of two camps if you were a new lcs team or an old one for that matter it was basically you either won the off season or you lost the off season there was like no in between um no gray areas there but um let's move on to playoffs what team do you think is the biggest dark horse in this race um, so, you know, we've had kind of a stranglehold over the, over the top uh, of NA for a while with only three teams winning the title. Um, I'm not, it's really tough to say whether any of the, the like teams that haven't even been to the finals will make it. I hope they do. I would say in that case, Probably 100 Thieves is, like, the dark horse, in my opinion, just because um, I think Clutch still has, uh, even though this past week they did end up um, beating Echo Fox. Echo Fox seems to be on kind of a downward slide. 
Um, and then Clutch did lose to TL, so they definitely still have issues taking on, like, they're really consistent, right, where they always beat teams that are below them, and then they lose to teams that are above them in the standings, and that's kind of been their thing where they've even addressed it and said, this is what we have to do to get better as a team, and I think they still might struggle with teams that are above them. Um, But I do think, again, 100 Thieves, they just have – a really good sense of how to react if they mess up. Um, and that's just based on their experience. So uh, I think they'll be a really interesting team to watch in playoffs. Well, let's talk about Echo Fox for a moment because they were a team that were, that was leading the standings for quite some time. What happened to them? Um, I mean, I think so them and TL, although TL, uh, is more of a because they just they did end up beating Clutch and they're not on as like much of a downward trend I'd say. Um, but I think these are two rosters that were really relying on either like one specific playstyle or kind of bulldozing their opponents early in the case of TL and then outplaying them. Right. So at, at the beginning of the split. TL were smashing people. Um, Echo Fox had a few shaky games, but they were also smashing people. Dudu, uh, Dardox, pathing around mid and then topside. And uh, Humi just absolutely playing out of his mind. And so I think um, naturally, whenever you have teams that are really relying on their mechanics, but have kind of stagnated either because of the new patch or something going on with the team, that that I can't say. I know a lot of teams did tell me this past week that they had a bit of an adjustment uh, going on to the new patch. Um, but I think we're just seeing other teams kind of naturally catch up as the season has gone on. Um, even teams like, for example, CLG, who looked absolutely awful um, in some of their their earlier games um, seem to have figured uh, a few things out, whereas Echo Fox have kind of continued to play in the same way, and so they've they've stagnated a bit. I see. So if Spring Split were to end today, who would be your Spring Split MVP? Uh, I've been waffling about this for a while. Um, I said publicly, I think two weeks ago, that it would be Smoothie, I'd have to stick to that. I think um, it was in the Dive podcast that they someone brought up Febivin, which is actually, there's there's actually a pretty good case for him as well. I know a lot of people are floating around Jensen. Um, I, w- I would still go with Smoothie. I think he means so much to C9. I also think um, the way they would rotate him uh, to topside early to try to uh, integrate Licorice into the team um, was really smart, and I think he just has had a very quietly strong split and has been a really core reason why C9 has done well uh, this this split. All right. So well, I'd, still, I'd still have to go with Smoothie. Okay, so I'm going to give you a chance to wrap things up. What's one thing you want to tell all the viewers out there or the listeners out there heading into the final week of the LCS? It's the first split of franchising. And it's also, I think, one thing people have to remember is that we have not seen any of these teams in best of 
uh, series. So that will definitely be something to watch out for because we're going back, uh, going back to the best of one format. The standings have been um, a bit more volatile. Uh, so it's going to be really interesting to see how these teams adapt to best of five. So when people are making their playoff predictions, I would take that into consideration, uh, how well you think your team can adapt over a best of series. Okay. Well, actually, speaking of best of one, what are your thoughts on the change back to it? I think it's weird because I went back and did, uh, when they said they were going to change back to best of ones, I actually went back and wrote a piece where I went through like results at Worlds, results at MSI, and the teams that did end up making playoffs. Um, And very little would have changed from best of threes to best of ones. But what I do think um, it does affect is the volatility of the standings and people's reactions. I also do think that teams are seeing a lot more of each other in scrims because scrims are typically played in uh, best of three blocks anyway. Um, But on stage, they only get the one match that we see. Um, And scrim, just scrims in general are a lot different because you go a little bit harder. You try, you, you know, you take a few more risks just because you're typically testing stuff out for stage. Um, so I think that teams see a bit more of each other, but it's still not the same kind of experience that you would get seeing those teams on stage in a best of series. So while I don't necessarily think that it's going to ne- to affect North America's performance at international events, um, I am sad that we don't get to see these teams in best of series. At first I was like, yes, I don't have to watch, go back and rewatch all these games because I miss so many games I'm doing interviews at uh, LCS in person, and I have to go back and watch them. But um, (laughs) I am now sad that I don't get to see these teams because I feel like I don't have as good of a handle on their specific play styles or identities as I do some of the uh, Korean and Chinese teams just because I've seen them play so many games and I've seen them adapt and adjust draft over uh, best of three series. All right, well, you heard it here first. Thanks for giving us your insight in the NALCS. You can give Emily a follow on Twitter, at League of Emily. Oh, and before I forget, Emily was actually on our ESPN Esports video studio this week. So if you want to watch her talk about clutch gaming and Overwatch League, you can check out ESPN.com slash esports. But before that, and if you have time, you can leave us a rating and a review in iTunes and let us know how we're doing. You can also tweet us your thoughts at Rachel Yonggu at ESPN underscore esports. And again, Emily's handle is at League of Emily. You can also find us in the ESPN app. And if you subscribe to esports in it, we can send you an alert whenever we have a new episode. Gamers like to customize everything from their gaming rig all the way down to the way their characters look. And now Schick has developed a way for them to customize their shave, too. Introducing new Schick Hydro 5 Sense razors and refills. Equipped with innovative shock absorb technology, the razor auto-adjusts based on how you shave, backing off, or adding pressure when needed. Three custom gel formulas refill cartridges enable you to further personalize your shave. Available in hydrate gel with coconut oil to hydrate throughout each shave. Comfort gel with herbal extracts to comfort skin. And energized gel with menthol to wake up tired-looking skin. Customize your shave with New Schick Hydro 5 Cents. Available now at Walmart for an everyday low price. For more savings, visit Schick.com.
And we're back with the podcast, and we're going to go on a little tangent today. We have my co-host Jacob Wolf in Austin attending South by Southwest this weekend. Besides being an incredible music and film festival, it's been making its way in esports for quite some time. There are events, games, and panels. So Jacob's on the phone with me right now. How are you, Jacob? I'm doing pretty well. I'm sitting in the uh, South by Southwest press suite at the moment. So I got to explore the event a little bit and just kind of hanging out now. Nice. So to an esports fan who's not really familiar with South by Southwest in the context of esports, what should we be looking forward to? Yeah, so I've talked to a lot of the South by Southwest people since my first time being here in 2016. And really the big thing is they're trying to promote, I guess, up-and-coming up esports and, and uh, discussion around those up-and-coming up esports. So I think their games here are Arena, Valor, Clash Royale, I think, Clash, Clash Royale, Clash of Champions, and then um, Injustice 2 are their three games that they're playing. And there's also a significant amount of panels. So I think the panels are really the biggest part of the event because this event to me and a lot of others is really a networking event. You're here because there are so many people that come into town for this event. So it's always worth being here to, to meet everyone and get to see everyone. Um, and really, I think that they've had a lot of good discussions over the last couple of years. And this year I'm noticing it's a little bit more about the minutia rather than what is esports. I went to a panel this morning. It was more about like how you operate in, in esports. And, um, and it was from Christina Alejandre from Turner, who works on E-League and, uh, Cyra Mueller from Dot Esports as well. So um, it, it was a lot more in the minutia. And I, I think over the last couple of years, it's evolved in that way. Nice. So what other panels are you looking forward to attending? So there's a, an Overwatch League panel this afternoon with Nate Nancer, which I'm pretty excited about. And we will have him on the podcast after that as well. Um, there is a sports and esports panel, uh, I believe, this afternoon with Kirk Lacob and Sebastian Park of the Golden State Warriors and the Houston Rockets. And um, there is another one tomorrow with Lang Whitaker from the Memphis Grizzlies and Rick Fox, which is like a discussion rather than a panel. And uh, that one should be very good as well, I think. And Jacob, you have a bunch of interviews lined up this weekend. So let's preview some of them. Starting with Nate. Right. So I've got three. uh, I've got three that should be in this podcast feed for those that listen. So you can expect them. It will be um, it will be Nate Dancer from the Overwatch League, Raul Sood from Unicorn and Sam Matthews from Fanatic will be our three different interviews. Nice. And what are you going to talk about with them? So uh, with the Overwatch League, I kind of want to talk about what has changed since it launched in January and have that discussion. I want to talk about uh, obviously some of the punishments that have come down on some of these players. And I also want to talk about expansion, which is kind of like a hot topic right now around the Overwatch League as they prepare to sell later this month. Right. Wait, what? Sell later this month? Yeah, like sell franchise slots for expansion. Oh, okay. Okay. For for a hot second, I thought you meant that they were going to sell the league. I was like, whoa, this is news I have not heard about yet. But really quickly, um, we're sort of running out of time today. We're keeping it a little short for the time being. But let's talk about Drake and Ninja, because if you were asleep last night like I was, you probably missed out on the most epic Twitch stream, probably in Twitch history. Um, yeah, Drake, Juju, Travis Scott, um, and Ninja were streaming Fortnite on Twitch, which was awesome. Jacob, did you get to catch that? I did, yeah, and it was, uh, very entertaining. There were a lot of other people that also tweeted about it, like Terrell Owens as well, and, uh, Carl Anthony Towns that did not join into their gaming session, I guess is the best way to put it. So, (laughs) it was, 
Super interesting. Right. Yeah. Uh, did you get to see the part where Drake revived Travis Scott and was like, this is God's plan? Yes. That was amazing. Yeah, I, I'm uh, still a little skeptical. And I, I said this last night on Twitter and uh, got hated on pretty immediately, but still a little skeptical of the timing of all of this. But I, I thought it was a really good moment for gaming overall. Yeah, I feel like if they had streamed this maybe in a more East Coast friendly time, they would have easily gone over a million views on that stream. Yeah, I also just think like it's very convenient that Fortnite is uh, encountering bad press right now. And it's also like they're launching onto the mobile platform as well very soon. And that was a press release that was put out this early earlier this week. I think the whole timing of the stream coming together with a lot of celebrities kind of promoting it celebrities that have a huge influence. Um, it's a little, I don't know, uh, suspicious, I, I guess is the best way to, to put it. Oh, do you think Very that they're trying to timing. distract from the bad press? I think that they're just trying to promote the game as it kind of needs it right now. Okay, well, well, where do you think the game stands right now as an eSport, as a game? I think as a game, it's widely popular, right? Like, I don't think it'd be on NBC and ABC morning shows if it wasn't popular in a discussion and obviously some of that's been negative NBC covered it uh, in the sense that like it's a gaming addiction and I can't pull my kids away from it just like that was the narrative right and it's really popular as a game I think putting it on a mobile phone will make it even I guess more engaging and, and we'll get a higher player base. I think as an eSport, all Battle Royale games have issues, and that was part of the discussion that came up this morning in the, the panel that I was in, is uh, no major broadcaster quite understands how to produce Battle Royale broadcasts at the moment because there's 100 players on the map simultaneously. Who are you supposed to watch? You know, it's it's really difficult. So I'm curious to see how it converts into an eSport, but as as a game, I think it's doing pretty well for itself right now. Well said. I think that's all the time we have for the podcast today. Thank you, Jacob, for joining me. For more esports content, check out ESPN.com slash esports, or you can follow us on Twitter at Rachel Yonggu and at Jacob and Wolf. Thanks for listening to the ESPN Esports Podcast.